What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Sallerson. Happy game day to everyone. Pelicans are back in action tonight. Game four of a five-game homestand as they welcome in the Sacramento Kings to help us out getting ready for that game. And the recap what happened this weekend is Christian Clark, who covers the Pelicans for NOLA.com, Times Picayune, and The Advocate. Christian, hope you enjoyed the beautiful weather this weekend. How are you? Hey man, doing pretty good. I got out in the uh, the neighborhood a little bit yesterday and saw some of the, saw some of these house floats. So yeah, it was a it was a really nice day after uh, three games and four nights. It just feels like there's been a million games lately. So you got to experience Mardi Gras though last year, correct? This is not your first Mardi Gras, technically. Yeah, that's right. I got a, I got a little taste of the real Mardi Gras. Okay, I didn't want this to be like the first one, and then obviously <laughs> with everything going on, that you know, I'm glad you at least got the experience. The Yard de Gras yesterday in New Orleans. Um, I know you requested to talk about food, tennis, um, but I'm going to talk some Pelicans here <laughs> if that's okay. If you want to talk food at the end, we can. If you have any uh, additional recipes you want to share. Uh, no recipes right now. I will say I ended up at Bacchanal yesterday and uh, got the cheese plate and would highly recommend the Bacchanal cheese plate, man. Good times. All right. Well, I'll certainly have to make my way there. Uh, but let's talk some Pelicans. Uh Let's talk about the weekend, a little bit of a wild weekend for the Pelicans, you know, back to back. Your goal, obviously, is to win at least one of the two, which they did. Um, but was kind of surprising is how they won Friday's game, you know, putting up 131 points on Milwaukee. And then the night after um, a disappointing loss to the Houston Rockets. Um, what was your takeaways from this weekend, even though they did were able to split this, the series? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at those two slate that slate of games, I mean, I think one and one is a win because those are two pretty good teams. Um, Houston has been playing really well since the Harden trade. I think coming into that game, they were second in defensive efficiency. So like they're, I mean, they're a good talented team that, that plays together. Um, so, I mean, they just, they just got back in the win column, which I think, you know, where things have been like, you just needed that to happen. Um, you know, I think the offense has, looked a, a little bit healthier these past couple of games than it did in the past. Um, I think we're seeing some signs of life. Obviously it helps when you make a million threes like they did on Friday, but like I thought the ball was moving side to side. There's some nice pace that they played with, um, you know, up and down and in the half court um, just kind of the issue is, uh, is defense, which I guess we're, <laughs> we're all aware of. Yeah. Before we get into the defense, I do want to talk about that offense a little bit. This team has taken out, 40 plus threes in the last three games. Do you see like, has that been an emphasis for this team, whether it's to get open looks, are they just taking more shots just because what have you seen as why the the three point attempts have been on the uptick for these last three? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, kind of, um, you know, there are some alarms going off after those two games in Utah. And I think they shot like 25 and 26 threes. I mean, that just, that just wasn't enough. And there was times in that road trip where, they just weren't taking enough and um, is very encouraging. I think to see that number creep up a little bit, um, Brandon Ingram, um, you know, a guy who is close to 40 point, 40% three point shooter last year. Uh, his attempts have been up these past few games. I think that is really encouraging to see uh, obviously Lonzo, you know, guy who made some mechanical changes to his jumper last year, which paid off for him. He's starting to come around a little bit and that's been great to see. And Eric blood. So, I mean, I, I didn't, I mean, envision, uh, you know, coming into this year, him being the most comfortable, confident catch and shoot uh, three point shooter on this team. But I think you could make a case that that's what he's been so far. Um, so all really good things. I mean, I think Ingram is, is like 
kind of one of the big ones. I mean, he's a guy where, you know, if he has games where it's like, he's taken one, two, three, I mean, that's probably just, that's, that's not enough. Like he's such a good shooter. He just needs to be taking a lot of them. Let's go to the defense a little bit. Obviously um, a struggle this week. I get the points allowed against Milwaukee. I mean, they're one of the best offensive teams in the league. Um, but I know Stan wasn't too happy with the defense on Saturday. Where are you seeing improvements from them? And where's kind of the biggest, I guess, blemish for them right now? What's what's kind of the biggest thing that they need to improve on? Yeah, I think you could probably point to like two areas. Um, I mean, they're they're allowing a lot of threes, but I think, you know, that's that's kind of partially by design, but they're also allowing opponents to shoot a really high percentage at the rim. I think only Dallas and Denver are allowing other teams to shoot a higher percentage at the rim. Um, just looking at like the cleaning the glass numbers. So I guess protecting the interior is, you know, that's something they've really prioritized since training camp. And as to why that's happening, I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're allowing dribble penetration. Um, anytime Steven Adams isn't on the floor, I think they're having a lot, they're having um, a difficult time protecting the rim. Um, so those are, kind of two factors you can point to. And, you know, the past uh, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games, Stan Van Gundy has kind of kept, kept coming back to the same phrase, um, defensive disposition. Um, you just want to see a, a little more want to, I, I, I think, too. I mean, I think that's just a polite way of saying, like, look, let's go, guys. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. Um, what we did see on Saturday against Houston at the end of the game was uh, some guys getting some minutes that normally they wouldn't get. One of those guys was Kyra Lewis, who I thought made the most of his minutes with 10 points in 10 minutes. And, you know, Stan Van Gundy made a point to talk about Kyra after the game because that's kind of been the key question with so many guards out there for the Pelicans. It's been hard to find minutes for Kyra, but it seems like Stan Van Gundy's changing his tune a little bit, saying that maybe you do see some more minutes from Kyra. How how do you think he works that in with a a guard-heavy roster like the Pelicans? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough with – um, how many guards they have. I mean, I guess you can't really be throwing out four guard lineups. There's a lot of three guard lineups already. Um, but I, I mean, I think what we've seen from Kyra so far is, is really, really encouraging. I mean, I, I've been surprised a little bit that he's looked this comfortable to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, he's, he's 19 years old. What, what Stan said after the game, like, I think somebody asked him like, is there anything he can improve on? He's like, well, he can get from 160 to 175 and he can be uh, 20 and 21 years old instead of 19 years old. I mean, he's really doing everything that, you know, they seem to be asking him to do so far. I mean, he just, he just looks like he belongs out there in the, the limited time that, that I've seen him out there. And I know, you know, some of that's coming during garbage time, but I think it's really, really encouraging. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to Zion Williamson because Zion continues to do Zion things and the numbers he puts up. And you still find people out there, and maybe it's just me nitpicking here, but you still find people out there that it's not really giving him the credit that he deserves, saying he needs to expand his game or he doesn't have really a lot of post moves right now. But the man is averaging almost 19 points per game inside the paint, which is, you know, number one in the NBA. And then going into the last – on Saturday's game, he was averaging, you know, his field goal percentage through his first 40 games is 58.5%, which is the largest in NBA history. What are you seeing from Zion in year number two? Obviously only 40 games, 41 games played, but is there a difference you're seeing from Zion this year compared to the 20 games he played last season? Um, you know, I, I think he looks pretty similar. I will say these past, I don't know, uh, five, 10 games, I've seen a little more pep in his step. I would say um, he looks like he's moving around 
um, better out there to me. I mean, I still think there are some things, you know, defensively can improve on, but I, I do think you're right that we've already kind of like normalized his greatness and we're already at this point where it's like, okay, well, this guy is like s- such a fantastic efficient scorer. Like what else, what else, what else? And, you know, I think we do have to keep in mind that he's only played 40 games or whatever. I mean, the fact that he's leading the NBA in points scored in the paint by like three full points, he's playing you know almost all of his minutes next to, to two bigs who aren't really floor stretchers is it's like insane to me. I mean, he's just a guy, you know, his scoring, his ability to score the basketball efficient efficiently can like, transcend any any situation or the environment he's in I mean he's he's just insane I thought what JJ said about him um, was probably the best I've heard anyone put it everyone in the league wants to shoot uh, 15 layups a game with their dominant hand and you know the list of guys who could actually do that is probably like two or three guys I mean maybe like Giannis and Zion and am I missing anybody (laughs) no I don't think so Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. And and another thing going to it, you know, with such a young team like the Pelicans, I think a lot of people are so quickly ready to evaluate the young guys that they have. Jackson Hayes in the second season, Nikhil in the second, even Zion. Um, And then people want to talk about, you know, or more of this many conversations I'm having with people as far as their ceilings. And it's like, man, they're just scratching the surface. I mean, I ask this a lot to other people and I've asked this Antonio Daniels, Dave Wesley. I mean, how long does it take or how much time should you give to evaluate rookies, second-year guys, or first-round picks? Because I feel like this day and age, it's like five games in, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be a bust, or oh, wow, this is a great fit. But, you know, with some guys, they need a little bit more development than others. So when you're evaluating first-round picks, you know, early younger guys in the NBA, I mean, how much time do you give it in order to really establish what kind of player he's going to be in the league? Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting question. And I don't think I have like a, well, it's, it's year three. And so like I'm forming some, some hard opinions. Um, I mean, it's, it really is different. It's a case by case basis thing. I mean, look, look at Brandon Ingram last year. I mean, he took a huge leap from, from year three to year four. He's like a kind of a completely different player in a lot of ways. Um, So I think that's a difficult question. I mean, I think like Nikhil Alexander Walker, I mean, I think, you know, it's mostly been encouraging from what we've seen from him so far. I mean, I think he's not afraid at all, which is a good thing in a young player. Um, there's clearly a high level of skill there. So it's different for everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, these, <laughs> these dudes are so young and, and the NBA is just in this interesting place. Cause it's like, there's so many of these, these 19 year olds coming into the league. It's like, these guys aren't even like fully formed human beings yet. I mean, when I, I always go back to like, you know, think about what I was like just as a person at 19 years old. And I'm, I'm glad that nobody was, uh, you know, evaluating me or like forming opinions about me on Twitter. Cause, uh, I was probably a little bit of a disaster. Yeah, I think I would be too. So I'm certainly glad that wasn't the case as well. Um, let's talk about the schedule for this week a little bit, four more games for the Pelicans. Again, it seems like every other day, and I'm sure you know it well as well tonight, the Sacramento Kings Phoenix on Wednesday, which is a big game Indian on the road Friday. And then Saturday against Memphis, how important is it? And I, I'm sure it's very important, but to an extent, looking at this homestand, that I could secure a winning homestand for the Pelicans. How important is it for them just to start climbing the standings and start looking at maybe the nine and ten seed as far as just getting back up there in the in the playoff talk? Yeah, I mean, it is as I guess you know, disappointing as the start has felt in a lot of ways. There's still, I mean, absolutely an opportunity to go and be one of these teams that's in the play-in tournament. I mean, there's there's still a chance to be a top 10 team. I mean, that hasn't gone out the window at all. So, 
you know, a- absolutely, it's it's time to start climbing. And you know, we, the Pelicans have had a very difficult schedule so far, so maybe they could start, you know, eating a little bit when the schedule softens up. Um, but there's a great opportunity to to get back in the win column against Sacramento and um, you know Memphis. That's that's always one I feel like they got up for last year. So I, I definitely have that circled as like one I think they're gonna you know really go all out for. But you know nothing's nothing's been lost. I don't think. I mean, there's this can still be like a successful re- rewarding season. Have you seen anyone in the bottom where you know the Pelicans are chasing these teams at eight, nine, ten? Is there anyone there that you were surprised with a little bit? For me, it's been Dallas. Just the way uh, they seem to be have struggled lately. I know Phoenix has kind of dropped off a little bit from their hot stars. Is there anyone else that's kind of surprised you that that's kind of in the same area as the Pelicans as far as? you know, thinking about getting into that, that playoff race at seven, eight, nine, ten. I think you hit the nail on the head with, with Dallas there. I mean, there's not much separation between them and the Pelicans in the standings, which is kind of incredible. Um, and, you know, a lot of people like their offseason moves. They, you know, decided to, I guess, cash in a little bit of their shooting for guys who might be more of two-way players. And, you know, last year they had, statistically like the most efficient regular season offense in NBA history. Um, So it's been interesting to see, you know, them maybe like try to build a roster that's more geared towards success in the playoffs. Um, But so far it hasn't really paid off in the regular season. Um, So that would, that would probably be the one. All right. That's Christian Clark who covers the Pelicans for NOLA.com times pick union, the advocate Christian, how can folks follow you on Twitter? Yeah, my Twitter at uh, cclark3000. My um, work's at noel.com. I do a three points column that goes up after every game, and uh, you guys can check it out there. All right, sounds good, Christian Clark. Again, always a must read when covering the Pelicans. Does a great job, especially those three points, as you just mentioned, after every game. Christian, I appreciate the time. I know I don't get to see you at the games. We're in different zones. You're way up top. You know, I'm in the studio a little bit, but uh, hopefully, I'll get to see you soon. We'll play some tennis later on, and I appreciate it once it gets warmer here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, that sunshine and getting out there with you, Daniel. Should we do a, a live podcast just playing tennis? People can just watch us play the whole time. <laughs> you think that'd be interesting? Uh, I think that might that stream might have like 12 viewers, but uh, I don't know. for <laughs> Probably not, but it'd be fun for us. I think 12 is being very kind, so I'll take 12 <laughs> viewers if that's the case. But Christian, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, man. You too. There he goes, Christian Clark from NOLA.com. Pelicans and Kings tonight from the Smoothie King Center. You can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. And pregame for both start at 6.30. And then the week continues on Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Central, part of an ESPN doubleheader. It's a second game, obviously, at home, 8.30 p.m. Friday against Indiana at 6 p.m. And then Saturday, I want to remind you, the back-to-back against the Memphis Grizzlies at home. It was scheduled to be at 6 o'clock. But the NBA has moved that game back to 8 p.m. So if you're planning on attending, watching, or listening, it's not 6 p.m. It's 8 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night. Of course, we'll have some more podcasts for you throughout the week. And until then, for Christian Clark, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.